You are listening to the Fur Road Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God and love people. For more information about Fur Road, visit furroadcc.org. That is F-I-R-R-O-A-D-C-C dot org. Now for this week's message. Well, Happy New Year. All right. We'll try that again. We are thankful. Um that you are here with us today, and uh, I was thinking about something kind of strange this week. So I was born in July of 1969, about a a week after a man walked on the moon, and so I'm 50 now, but since I was born at the end of the decade, and now it's the beginning of a decade, I've lived in seven decades. You have to kind of think about that. I'm only 50, but I've lived in seven decades. And then I got to thinking about that some more, and I think, well, that just means you're getting really old, Dan. So, um, (laughs) but uh, uh, here we go. Um, So some of you, was anybody else born at the end of a decade? You know, you think, okay, yeah, there you go. So same thing, right? Perfect year, yes. All right, so you're getting old too, Julie. Sorry. No. Uh, I'm excited today, actually, to start our new journey uh, in in 2020 as a church. Uh, um, We're we're going through, uh, I've been talking about it for the last few weeks, Core 52. And Core 52 is a a book that was written by former Ozark um, Christian College professor Mark Moore to help people increase their Bible IQ and their overall understanding of God's Word. And it's made up of 52 core passages of the Bible, and, and it's going to help you to understand the, the whole Bible better and hopefully grow in your faith in turn. And so uh, I'm excited about that. I, I will preach on the core passage each Sunday, and those of you who are getting the books um, during the week, there's the corresponding chapter to go through each week. Um, it's broken down into five days. In your chapter, you'll see that. In day one, uh, you read the, the chapter, or they call it an essay. Uh, day two, you memorize the, the memory verse, or, and then continue to work on it through the week. But this week, it's an easy one. A lot of you already probably know it, Genesis 1-1, so this is kind of a freebie for some of you. Day three, you read the main, main passage of the scripture, um, or the core passage, that it's a, you know, a couple chapters usually that you read. Day four, uh, they give you some extra verses to kind of read and meditate on. Uh, day five, there's usually some kind of practical step that you can take, um, something that you can do actually do. And uh, for those who are who are overachievers, there's some stuff for you too each week. Um, there's extra things to read, some uh, extra memory verses if you wanted. So some of you like to have extra credit, right? And so. Teachers, pets, you know who you are, so there's extra things in there if you want to keep doing that too. So I also need to let you know a little bit of bad news. Uh, our books did not come in yet. Um, we ordered them from a company who sells them in bulk, and so we got them for several dollars cheaper, but it takes longer to get there. Um, so they're supposed to be here this week. Uh, the good news is we printed off Chapter 1 for you, so a lot of you picked that up already, but those are uh, at the table in the lobby and, and so you can grab one of those so you'll have your, your chapter for this week. Um, if you haven't ordered your book yet, uh, I ordered some extras so you can uh, sign up out there. Uh, if you'd like to, to get a book, they're $10. Or if you haven't paid for those yet, there'll be somebody there at the table afterwards. Um, also, as uh, we go through the year, we're going to be 
Um, uh, there's the, the memory verse cards that we decided to print off for you to help you with that. So each week there'll be a, uh, a card with that memory verse laminated. And then we got little ring uh, things to put those in so you can keep track of them and just go through those. So uh, after the, the whole year, we should know 52 verses, all of us, right? That, that'll be cool, right? To know, and so we can kind of hold each other accountable on that, on, on the verses. Um, and so also as we go through the year, we're, we're going to be breaking these core 52 topics down into some smaller mini-series to kind of keep things fresh and exciting for us. And so our first series is simply called All Things New, and it starts today with the, the creation story. And so today's message for, for core one out of uh, the 52 is uh, just simply called A New World, uh, A New World. And uh, it's all about God's creation. Okay, so that's kind of the background of stuff. So here we go. Uh, the Bible begins with the creation story uh, in the book of Genesis. And uh, there are a lot of different world um, viewpoints on, on how the, the world was created. Okay, um, evolution is, is one viewpoint of how we got here. It's, it's taught uh, in, in the schools often as a fact, not as a theory, um, but it is a theory. Uh, we need to remember that. Uh, there's other theories, and one of those theories is the biblical account of creation. And, and so we're going to talk about a couple different kinds of evolution in a little bit that, that I think will maybe help us um, kind of understand. But um, one of the things that you need to know as we begin our journey is that here at Fur Road, we believe that the Bible is the inerrant and infallible Word of God. Okay, Inerrant is without error. Infallible is, is absolutely true and trustworthy, and so that's our starting point, okay? That's where we're coming from. Um, I would say not all churches could fully say that anymore, but, but that's where we're coming from here at Fur Road. Um, so, creation story. Most biblical scholars think that the creation account was written down by Moses in about uh, the year 1400 B.C. Uh, we believe that God uh, inspired Moses to write down um, the, the creation, the story of the creation. And so uh, as we look at this today, the first story we need to ask is, can we trust the creation story that we have in God's word? Um, can, can we trust what Moses wrote down? And so it starts very simply in Genesis 1.1, and this is your memory verse of the week. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, very simple verse, right? We can all do this one, no problem. Um, and so as we think about this question of trusting the creation story, I think it's important to look at a lot of different things. One of them is that the role that Jesus himself verified the Old Testament. Okay, You remember after his resurrection, there's a time when he, he appeared to a couple guys on the road to Emmaus, and they didn't recognize him at the time, and, and, and he started just telling them everything, uh, you know, going way back. And in Luke 24, 27, it says this, then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Okay? Did you see? He took him all the way back to the writings of Moses. And, and some might say, you know, uh, I believe in Jesus, but I don't necessarily believe in, in the miracles of the Bible or uh, the stories of the Bible. They're just kind of made-up stories to, to support uh, what the Bible says. But um, 
really you need to go all in with Jesus. Okay, I, I think it's uh, to me an all or nothing thing. If you're going to believe what Jesus says, then you need to believe what He says. And so either it's true what He said, or He was confused, or He was, you know, lying or making it up. Um, but or He's crazy. You know, so those are kind of your options. But um, you, if you're going to say I believe in Jesus, you really need to to go in with Him. And so, now one of the big questions that gets asked is is Did God create the world in a literal six days? And there's lots of opinions on both sides of that, even among Christians. I'm sure we, even here today we would have different viewpoints on that, and that's okay. Um, I personally believe that God created the world in six days, and uh, six literal days, and we don't have time to go through a, a bunch of reasons on this or debate on this, but um, I think each day of creation was presented as a literal day, and I think other places in Scripture confirm that. Um, and we'll talk about some different confirmations this morning. And we're going to have to fly through this pretty quickly, um, and so just stick with me. We have a lot of Scriptures today. Um, but first of all, Moses, Moses confirmed the creation account. Okay, so the, the, we wrote, he wrote it down in Genesis 1-1, but then when you move on to Exodus, we have uh, an additional confirmation. Um, you know, some would say, well, how could, the, how could it be a literal six days if you didn't have the sun and the moon until day four? Uh, which is a good point. Um, but Moses used uh, the same language in, in Exodus when describing the creation, and this was after everything had been created. So Exodus 20, verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and, on, and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, so we had the literal six days at that point when he wrote that. Um, and so, like I said, I, I understand there's different viewpoints on that, um, but that's how it's presented here in Exodus by Moses. Um, the psalmist also confirmed the creation account. Psalm 33, 9, for when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. Uh, I like this one. God, he, he spoke the world into existence. Okay? Some would say, well, God kind of took the stuff that was already here and made it into something. No, he, he spoke. There was nothing, and then there was something. And it's hard, I mean, we can't really wrap our minds around this. It's hard for us to understand that, but God didn't take matter that already existed, as many would say. Um, he spoke it into existence. Um, and as I said earlier, Jesus confirmed the significance of the Old Testament, and then thus they're finding the creation account. Um, these are in your bulletins. If you haven't, you probably figured that out. It's an insert today instead of on the back of your bulletin. But look at Matthew five eighteen and 19. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I read that uh, just to reinforce that and, and show that that Moses, um, Jesus reinforced Moses' teachings, okay? Um, he didn't discount that, the Old Testament. He, 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 uh, he didn't come to get rid of the Old Testament or get rid of the law. He came to fulfill it. Um, Jesus quoted the Old Testament all the time 
you know, if you look at his life, and, and uh, part of the Old Testament is the creation account. Uh, also, John confirmed the creation story uh, and, and Jesus' partnership with, with God in heaven and in the creation. Um, we get a great connection to Jesus uh, in creation at the beginning of John. John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Okay, so who is the word here? Who's that talking about? Yeah, Jesus. Jesus is the word. And and so from the very beginning, Jesus was the image of God. He spoke the words of God. Jesus was part of creation. The writer of Hebrews uh, also confirmed Jesus' role in the creation. Okay, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And listen to this last part. And through whom also he made the universe. Okay, that's, that's significant, right? Um, through whom he made the universe. You can see the connection between Jesus and creation. Um, and so we see God just reinforcing, reinforcing uh, the creation story throughout the whole Bible. Um, the Apostle Paul confirms Jesus' role in creation as well. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So not only Jesus was a part of creation, he, he is the glue. He helps hold it together. Okay? Um, so that's the kind of the confirmations uh, of the creation story, um, and then not only can we trust the creation story, the creation gives us a, a glimpse into the creator, okay? We, we see this creation. It, it gives us an idea of, of God, and so as we look into God's creation, we, you know, we can just learn so much. I love watching shows on TV about animals. It never gets old to me, and when they kind of tell the stories, this there's this little animal in Papua New Guinea that does this, and, it, and it's just... I, I think that stuff's fascinating. Um, but it's all showing God's handiwork, his creation. Um, and so, and I think this, this is important, this, this next point here. The design of the world points to an intelligent designer. Okay, when, when we see how things are put together, um, I, don't know, I, I don't know how anyone could say, no, this just all happened by chance. It's just random. Um, I, I just personally, I think, no, there's no way. There, there was an intelligent design. And I want to share a couple of stories with you to help illustrate this. Sir Isaac Newton was a, a very famous mathematician and scientist who strongly believed in God. However, he had a very close friend who did not believe in God. So Sir Isaac devised a plan to try to convince his friend that God did exist and had created the universe. One day he went to a carpentry shop and asked the owner to make a model of our solar system. This model was to be made to scale, intricately painted, and designed to resemble as closely as possible the actual solar system. After several weeks, Isaac picked up the model, paid for it, and placed it in the center of a table in his house. Sometime later, his atheist friend came over for a visit. When the friend arrived at Dr. Newton's house, 
the model of the solar system caught his eye, and he asked Sir Isaac if he could inspect the model more closely. As the atheist inspected that model, he was impressed by the fine craftsmanship and beauty of the pieces. After a while, the atheistic friend asked Isaac who had crafted this wonderful model. Sir Isaac promptly replied that no one had caused the model, who, no one had made the model. It just appeared on his table by accident. You see what he's doing here? Confused, the friend repeated the question, and yet Newton stubbornly clung to his answer that the model had just appeared out of thin air. Finally, the friend became upset, and Isaac explained the purpose of his answer. He told him what he was doing with this. See, if he could not convince his friend that this crude replica of the solar system had just happened by accident, how could the friend believe that the real solar system, with all its complexity and design, appeared just by time and chance? Okay, that's good stuff, I think. Here's another story. Bill Bryson writes this about the human body. No one really knows, but there may be as many as a million types of protein in the human body. And each one is a little miracle. By all the laws of probability, proteins shouldn't exist. To make a protein, you need to assemble amino acids in a particular order in much the same way that you assemble letters in a particular order to spell a word. For example, to make collagen, you need to arrange 1,055 amino acids in precisely the right sequence. The chances of a, a 1,055 sequence molecule like collagen spontaneously self-assembling are, frankly, nil. It just isn't going to happen. To grasp what a long shot its existence is, visualize a standard Las Vegas slot machine, but broaden greatly to about 90 feet to be pre precise to accommodate 1,055 spinning wheels instead of the usual three or four, and with 20 symbols on each wheel, one for each common amino acid. How long would you have to pull the handle before all 1,055 symbols came up in the right order? Uh, effectively forever. Um, even if you reduce the number of spinning wheels to 200, which is actually a more typical number of amino acids for a protein, the odds against all 200 coming up in a prescribed sequence are 1 in 10,000 to 260. And so that's 1 followed by 260 zeros. And so that in itself is a larger number than all the atoms in the universe. Yet we're talking about several hundred thousand types of protein, perhaps a million, each unique, and each, as far as we know, vital to the maintenance of a sound and happy you. I mean, these things are just blow your mind away. These, and these numbers are kind of overwhelming, but you have to say, okay, this didn't just happen by accident. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. You see, we can see God all around us and within us if we're willing to look. And then the similarities of creation indicate a common designer. Okay, if you look at an architect... They, they have a kind of a way that they design things. Say a, a guy that designs houses, they begin to have kind of common things that are always in their houses that they design. When you look at creation, you start to see things that are designed in a similar way and put together in a similar way. And you, so you see this amazing architect. Um, let me look at in our bodies one more time. Uh, we look at the genetic code of DNA in the human. We, we see a, just kind of a clear picture of a designer. Um, probably the best way to understand the DNA code in our bodies is 
kind of comparing it to our language. Okay, English uses 26 letters of the Latin alphabet, which can be shuffled to produce hundreds of thousands of words uh, in the English language. DNA is composed of four bases symbolized by the letters of A, T, C, and G. And these letters can be uh, arranged into thousands and, and thousands of different sequences uh, with different meanings depending on how, how you read them. You see, God, he put a structure into place in, in, in our, our DNA code in our bodies. And you can rearrange that code in thousands of ways. And, and, and so it's just incredible when you start getting down to the, the cellular level of our bodies. And then the biblical account also shows that, that each part of creation uh, re- reproduced its own kind. Okay, God had certain plants and animals in mind when he created the world. Okay, and, and uh, so I, want, I said I was going to talk about a couple kinds of evolution. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about microevolution and macroevolution. Okay, um, and they're very different things and it's kind of confusing I think. Microevolution involves change within a species okay so uh, when an animal kind of adapts to the situation uh, and, and it helps it to to you know live that whatever the birds that are darker they live and so they adapt but they're still the same kind of species right they haven't changed and that's that's microevolution um, in the the sheep world when I was in uh, high school and, and raising sheep, there was a push to have the the kind of sheep that I had, Suffolk sheep, they wanted them taller and taller. So they would breed them to, you know, to keep getting taller. And, and so that's that was a good thing until they realized that really that caused other problems and their legs would have problems and, and, and it wasn't a good idea to have sheep that were that tall. And so now they've come back down and it's more about the structure of the animal and the muscle and that kind of thing. And, and so the... Those are ways you can, you know, change within the species. It was still sheep. It was still the same kind of sheep. Um, that's microevolution. Macroevolution involves gradual change uh, between a species. Okay, so and, and this it takes. This is where you would have to have millions of years for this to happen. This is where gradually there would be a jump between a species where uh, a cat would become a dog or whatever the next thing on the, the line would be. Um, I believe that is not an account we have in the Bible. There, there's, uh, we don't have evidence for that. And, and that's where we get the kinds, what I'm talking about here. Genesis one twenty five. back to Genesis 1. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Okay? Do you see the difference here? Um, each of the animals were made according to their kinds. God created these specific kinds of animals. God said, this is, this is what I want. This is the animal I want. Um, so, that's microevolution and macroevolution. That's a big difference. Okay, let's move on. Um, what role does the Trinity play in creation? Okay, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. Um, all three parts of the Trinity were present in creation. Um, God the Father is the architect. Okay, we've talked about this. God created the elements of creation out of nothing. He designed creation. First through the words of the Bible, God created. 
Okay, so he's the architect, he created it. Um, now the idea that God created the earth is not unique only to Christianity. Um, religions such as monotheistic religions, Judaism, Islam would say that as well. However, Christianity differentiates from these religions in that Christianity would believe that God the Spirit was part of creation as well. God the Spirit is the engineer. And so the Holy Spirit was basically the engineer of creation. He, uh, let's look at Genesis 1-2. Okay? Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the water, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Okay? There's the Spirit. Um, the, the Spirit of God was there to kind of bring order out of the chaos. And, and you're going to read in your chapter this week, it talks about this, but the Hebrew word for hovering is kind of the idea, expresses the idea of vibration. And so the Spirit hovered or maybe quaked to help um, bring order out of the chaos. And then we have the third part of the Trinity, God the Son. God the Son is the builder. And, we, and we've talked about a lot about how Jesus was connected to creation already um, from the very beginning. During the six days of creation, God said, let there be light. And uh, in John, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so you, you could say that Jesus is the builder. Okay, And so looking at the scriptures we've already talked about, we've read those already. So all three parts of the Trinity were part of creation. But let's bring this home a little bit. Okay, So come back with me if you, you've checked out already. What does this mean for me? You know, we talk about God's creation. What does this mean for me? This is really important stuff. First of all, I was created by God. You were created by God. Psalm 139.15 says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Okay? I love this verse. It's about life. Um, it's about God's involvement in making us. It, it's why we value life. It's why we believe abortion is wrong, okay, because God created us, and we aren't accidents, and life starts at conception. So I was created by God. I was also created in the image of God. This is like takes it a whole other step here. Not only did God create us, he created us in his image, Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. How cool is that? I mean, don't take that lightly. We were created in God's image, and that's so awesome because, uh, you know, we know that God doesn't make junk. We know God isn't junk. He created us like him. It's an awesome, amazing thing. Listen to Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Okay, you guys are, are God's masterpiece. You're a work of art. You're, you're a Rembrandt. You're a Picasso, whatever. And he has good things for you to do. Okay, that's important too. I was also created for the purpose of bringing glory to God. Psalm 102.18, let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. One of our main purposes is to glorify God. And, and some might say, well, isn't that kind of selfish? You know, 
God made people so they could worship him. And, and I'd say it, it isn't selfish when you are truly worthy of being worshipped. Okay? And, and only God is worthy of being worshipped. Throughout history, people have struggled with this, worshipping the wrong things, right? Ever since the Old Testament times, and we still today, we struggle with um, not fully worshipping God, but worshipping other things. But only God is truly worthy of being worshipped. And then the, the last thing I wanted to, to point out to you, and, and we need to keep in mind through all of this, it's a key point, although creation fell, the final recreation came through Jesus Christ and is available to all. Okay, here's the deal. Mankind messed up bad. We messed up God's creation big time. and Adam and Eve sinned to start with, and everybody sinned since then. And we continue to sin. And we kind of made things not like they were originally intended to be. But God had a plan to make things new again. And this is the good news. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. So yes, we messed up God's original perfect creation, but he said, I can make you new again. Okay, we have fallen from God. We, we messed up his creation, but God, through, but God the Son uh, came to this world, died for us, and, and made it possible so that we can be new again. And that's the good news. That's how much God loves us. So because of that, I don't want any of you to ever forget how special you are to God and how much he loves you. Some of you are probably struggling with that right now, today. And you think, man, I... I don't think so. I don't think God probably could love me anymore. I've done too much. I've messed up too much. But this is a promise. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. You are unique. You are one of a kind. God literally broke the mold and threw it away after he made you. Nobody's ever going to be just like you. And God loves you more than you can ever imagine. So that's core one out of our, our 52 core lessons. And that is that God created the world and everything in the world, including you and me. And that's, that's the foundation. And I think that's a great start for us today. Let's pray. God, when we think about your creation, it, it's so over our heads, it's mind-blowing. But we can get a glimpse of, of what you've done and how you've done it, and uh, we just do. We give you the praise and the glory and the worship today for your incredible creation. And, and uh, we have messed that creation up, but you've said, that's okay, I still love you, and I'm gonna, I have a way to make it new again, to make it perfect again, and that's through Jesus. And I pray that all of us will know that.
and understand that. And if we need to say, I'm ready to be made new again, I pray that we'll do it, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And as we see.